0: Hello and welcome to Sportsaholic. I am here. Nick is here. Um, both seven and seven last week. We're into week ten. We're giving you our preview. Some highlights from last week. We'll get to in a second. But first, but first, we're gonna we're gonna do something new here. We're gonna do something new here. I sent this to Nick earlier in the week, but this is the official the official Sportsaholic's quarterback rankings. They're on the screen now. Um, <laughs> it's a little tier list going from uh, top to bottom. We got, of course, at the top, the beautiful Italian Kings, both um, Jimmy Garoppolo and Tommy DeVito in there. Next, we have the MVP, the, who I believe is playing the best football in the league. Nick, I don't know if, uh, if totally you agree entirely you. agree with this, but, yeah, yeah, MVP Lamar Jackson continues to show it. He had himself um, – Well, the Ravens themselves just had themselves had a hell of a showing this past weekend. Um, He didn't quite show it on, at least numbers-wise, but they are just dominating everybody. That was more of a function that he didn't
1: have to, right? Yeah. Their their defense is giving up an average of, I think, below 11 points per game against teams with a winning record, right? So unbelievable team, and on games where they need him, he's come through. Yes.
0: Uh, elite quarterbacks. These are the only elite quarterbacks in the league as of right now. Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and CJ Stroud.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, A <laughs> couple things, obvious things. I mean, CJ Stroud playing out of his mind, right? We're going to have to pump the brakes on whether or not we can put him into this tier. But, but aside from that, someone who is in this tier but is not playing like they're in this tier I would actually argue both Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes are not playing like they're in this tier we know they're in this tier more so Patrick Mahomes having done it for even longer of a time but if you look at Jalen Hurts this year that's fair I think he's I actually he's second in the league in interceptions oh maybe third now because I don't know if Josh Allen keeps playing around with that but but he's he was second going into this week. He was second in the league in interceptions to Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. Yeah, they're an eight and one. Is, it, is team.
0: handsome, are handsome quarterbacks just more likely to throw interceptions? Is that is now? It, while that might
1: be the case, <laughs> that doesn't excuse him from being criticized, right? I know they're an eight and one team, but like, and they're going to yeah. play with anybody, they're probably going to beat anybody. And it is a function of the fact that, yeah, he squats 700 pounds. That if you, it's every, every sequence is essentially a four down sequence with them. But so far as throwing the football is concerned and commanding a game, you even saw it last week, he was unable in the fourth quarter to put that game away. Mm -hmm. They needed, in two separate occasions, they really just needed one, maybe two first downs to end that game with what is supposed to be the best rushing offense in the league with him and DeAndre Swift, and he could not get it done with his arm uh, or his legs. So something to watch out for is whether or not Jalen Hurts is going to continue to be considered in this tier. I think he will, obviously, just by what history is showing us, but throughout the course of this season, his play isn't reflecting it and neither is Patrick Mahomes, but let's keep going.
0: Good, The good tier. These are just good quarterbacks. Um, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, uh, Justin Herbert, Jared Goff, which is surprising uh, if you look back, Trevor Lawrence, and Tua uh, turned the ball over.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think this is I think our tiers are getting progressively more accurate here. I think there's no problem with this this tier, right? And you could probably argue that the guys playing the best football in this tier all lost this week. Yeah, right. Uh, so it, it, it's good. They definitely belong here for those reasons, right? You want them to continue, show they can be elite and push you over the edge and win those games. Sometimes we've seen it. Sometimes we haven't.
0: The mid-quarterbacks, they're just kind of – they're just – they're 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 mid. They're in the middle. I, uh, and it hurts me to put them here, but Kirk Cousins, despite um, despite what he's gone through now with the torn Achilles, also Josh Dobbs not in here. I'm putting Josh Dobbs in the good tier.
1: I would I would put Josh Dobbs in the beautiful Italian kings just because I feel like his his tenacity qualifies him. Qualifies.
0: <laughs> but yep, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, Gino Smith, Kirk. Matthew Stafford. That's Kenny Pickett and Brock Purdy. Um, Brock Purdy, I was a little, I was a little hesitant to put him there. Um, I wouldn't put him in the signs of life tier either, but I, I don't know. It's just that it's San Francisco's offense that. Confuses I,
1: me I, I think their your only misfire here truly is Kenny Pickett. I mean, C.J. Stroud, as spectacular as he has been, has already exceeded passing touchdowns or exceeded Kenny Pickett in passing touchdowns for a career. Kenny Pickett's been around a lot longer. (laughs) I mean, it's only a year, but that's enough games where you should probably have more touchdowns thrown than C.J. Stroud, and he does not. He's not played like he's mid. He's had a few mid moments, which essentially means get your really good defense 20 points and you'll win the football game. But he's he's probably – I would even – like he maybe would be, be. yeah, he maybe be signs of life, right? Like so every once in a while, he makes a nice looking sideline throw to George Pickens. That's about as as much life as you get from Kenny Pickett.
0: Um, See, I'm giving him the Matt Canada benefit of the doubt. Um, that fair. And last, he is kind of one of those like winner guys. Yeah, right? that's true. He, he's a culture guy. I he's imagine. a culture guy. One of those winner guys, just like a lunch pail kind of guy. Blue collar Kenny Pickett is what they call him. Um, but, up. yeah, I could definitely see him in the bad, bad tier. Uh, right. Signs of life. Signs of life. We got Baker. Baker, uh, just very good at covering football games, covering spreads. Big fan of him here. Um, Justin Fields, who I believe is coming back this week. 51% chance, Matt Eberflew said, of him playing this uh this Thursday. Sam Howell, Russell Wilson, and that is Bryce Young, the first overall pick. How do you feel about this one?
1: I think it's pretty good. I also would anchor on the side of I don't really know if you're seeing signs of life out of Bryce Young, but I think it's okay, right? Like I think I think the reason why you put him in signs of life is because we know there is life. Like this team could go one in sixteen, and we're not going to criticize Bryce Young. I think we know that he can mature into a developing quarterback we we've seen quarterbacks do that where they get drafted into really crappy teams and they just buy into the system, get better, get smarter, take hits and then figure it out. But if we're just using the lens of this season, you've seen life from Bryce Young cuz I don't know that I have.
0: No. Other
1: than, that, other than that, I think that's exactly right. I think that whole that at list is a perfect way to describe those those quarterbacks in there.
0: Uh bad quarterbacks, just objectively bad. Um Derek Carr putting them in there. Um, I don't even know if that's justified, but I don't know where else I would put him because he's not mid, and he's not hell, and he doesn't show signs of life. I think he's just (laughs) bad. Um, Jordan Love was very good for the start of the year, and now he's bad. Uh, Desmond Ritter should be in hell, honestly, but he has played well at home, and his counting stats aren't that bad if you ignore the turnover numbers. Um, So I think that – I don't think there's any objections there.
1: No, I think that works. Derek Carr, we'll see if he can keep them around. I, I can't tell whether or not that offense works, but he's definitely, I agree, he doesn't solidify himself anywhere else on this list.
0: Hell tier. Um, Mac Jones, bad at football, objectively bad at football. Daniel Jones, $40 million a year, bad at football, very bad at football. Deshaun Watson, in hell for other reasons. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Zach
0: Wilson honestly doesn't deserve to be there with the other guys mentioned. Um, I think he he just needs time. But Listen, he's I would,
1: I would give, I would almost give Zach Wilson signs of life, and just call it maybe sign of life. And then we're really referring. He definitely has to a that? pulse. He's got a pulse when, for whatever reason, it's it only comes about when there's 40 seconds left, or. Uh, If you're playing the Kansas city chiefs, I mean, that's that like, so maybe it's just one giant sign of life, but he's got something. He does have a pulse. Some of these other guys, I mean, Deshaun Watson hasn't in the games that he's played, he's played one really good game and the rest of the game, they seem to coast by with the defense um, or or they lose outright. And and obviously Mac Jones doing nothing good. Daniel Jones avoiding the field at all costs. And I feel bad for him because you know, the injury bug has always plagued him. Uh, but it's looking like a ninety-plus million-dollar guaranteed disaster uh, for the Giants right now. So I'm, I'm I'm all for this part of the list as well.
0: Okay, all right. So that's that's our definitive quarterback rankings. Definitely won't change those throughout the year. Um, definitely not any movement that could possibly happen. But let's just get into Week Nine. Um, I want to start off here with the Chiefs and the Dolphins game because sure it. Okay, so start of the game. Start of the game, obviously, Dolphins look like massive frauds. Um, Chiefs kind of just dominating both sides of the football. Chiefs' defense has really been remarkable. Brandon and then – In particular, yep. Yeah. And then the Dolphins are – like, Dolphins should have won that game. If you count in those Tyreek Hill drops, which that's not very – that's not like him. And then also that yeah. – th- those. Well, th- I, yeah, the drops
1: the drops have been an issue for him this year, in particular in the red zone. A little weird, a little scary yeah. to see. I think in that Eagles game, he had one that was potentially game-tying over the middle that he dropped. Um, there's been a few more here and there. The, the drops are something you expect him to correct, but it is a little bit concerning that, uh, at the very least, his play seems to dip. not Not that he's not getting open and not still giving you a productive day, but the play, especially on his end, seems to dip against... The better teams, which really isn't helping your quarterback set an advantage. Um, but that again, that could be something that we we look into as far as whether or not Miami Dolphins can can ever start a game effectively against good teams.
0: It seems like Mike McDaniel's entire game plan, like the things that they're good at, when they just impose their will on sub five hundred teams, bad, like mid to bad teams, they play their game. And then it's probably a product of the coaching on the other side, mm-hmm. being able to stop what you're good at. But it seems like they completely get away from their strengths when they play against a good team. And then they find themselves in this early hole that they have to try and claw themselves out of, which they have the talent to do, just the raw talent and the scheme to do. But they just have not been able to do it. Yeah. And I don't know <laughs> if that's a, like a second year or first, second year head coaching kind of issue.
1: Yeah, I McDaniel. Mean, I think it comes down to the fact that he's he's an offensive innovation guy, right? So he, but the thing about him that qualifies him to be a head coach is that you can see, as you mentioned, the adjustments being made uh, to, to get them back in the game, right? You know, going down 21, nothing in Germany, isn't an easy hill to climb out of. And they did so pretty effectively, right? If not for, but just an ultimate, you know, gaffe by Tua toward the end. Mm-hmm. And I know that time is really running down. But throughout that fourth quarter, you're kind of thinking there's a chance. And, yeah, that Chiefs defense deserves some credit. But, I mean, like, I, I think without that bad start, you're expecting this Mike McDaniel team to to still run with these good teams. Right. Even even um, even the philadelphia game they really hung with them for the most part right like then that was that was a high-stakes situation as well the only game where they didn't hang with anybody was buffalo and that was before the injuries on defense that buffalo sustained so i i I, they're a little confusing to gauge it's probably like you said a consequence of, of young coaching and young players and speed players right not really used to not playing their game but i do think that you're seeing that the adjustments can be made for them to 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 run with these good teams um It's just obviously it hasn't come out on their end to this point. Uh,
0: Another game I kind of wanted to get into as well here, Um, that Vikings game. Uh, Josh Dobbs not starting the game. Um, I had that as a blowout either way. Um, I had the Falcons, the ones blowing things out, and Arthur Smith is a terrorist. I will continue to say that. Uh, There was a singular possession in this game that really solidified. If the the Falcons don't fire him at the end of this year, they are an unserious franchise. They get a turnover, have the ball, I believe it was on the five-yard line. They go play action to Jonu Smith. No, they go end around um, to, I believe, Mac Collins. Yeah. Uh, Play action to Jonu Smith and then a Tyler Algier handoff. I understand Drake London's not playing. But you spend a high first rounder on Bijan Robinson. And you don't give him the ball at all. And then you give Tyler Algier a third down carry on third and goal. Yeah. And I, he needs to go. He needs to go. And all the credit in the world goes to Josh Jobs coming in to that game after the injury. But what the hell are we doing here?
1: And yeah. I, I As magical as that was from Josh Dobbs, because he did make some really crucial plays down the stretch With of that legs. game, yeah. especially especially when his first two series coming into that game were disastrous. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had he had the safety, and then he had a turnover, and it was just not looking good. However and maybe this is just an Atlanta Falcons thing, not just an Arthur Smith thing. If there was anybody that you wanted to be playing where you lose your backup and have to put in the guy that you got four days ago and his first two series are terrible and you still have a hope of winning that game, it's an Arthur Smith-led Atlanta Falcons team that does not use B. John Robinson in pretty much any functional situation. I remember there was a point where you thought that Atlanta was going to continue to run out the clock and do some good things, and, and that was... I mean, it was an entire drive of Tyler Algier. I think he had the last, like, seven plays, which I get it. Ride the hot hand. He did great. But then go back to your guy that you drafted seventh overall. It just it, – the blend, the balance makes no sense. Again, credit to Minnesota. They're going to get uh, Justin Jefferson back pretty soon. Josh Dobbs seems like he's already won the locker room over as – I mean, rightfully so. Um, so, insane game. Very fun to watch. Probably not something that you see happens against – Ninety-five percent of NFL opponents, but uh, re- really interesting watch.
0: Also, the uh, last thing before we get into this or uh, this week ten, but that Bucks and Texans game is the game of the year so far. Absolutely, and wait, there's a call
1: out there that I don't think a lot of people are going to to uh, to like really hit on. The Baker Mayfield looked great, right? Like he did what he had to do. He put up thirty-seven points. He he got the lead with 40 seconds left. He used the appropriate weapons where needed, right? Relying on the tight end in the red zone, getting Mike Evans the football eventually, right? Um, it, it seemed like they finally were getting a rhythm. And then the one unit that you'd expect maybe, just maybe, to be able to come through in, in one drive is the Todd Bowles-led defense that we know as of three years ago won a Super Bowl, right? Uh, and C.J. Stroud comes in who already was having a fantastic day, damn near throws for 500 yards. And on what well, I think it was maybe a four-play drive in 40 seconds, finds Tank Dell in the end zone, um, used his tight end twice, used Tank Dell twice. I mean, just beautiful throws, good using his eyes in the most clutch situation. Game of the year, absolutely. But I just wanted to throw that point out there. As, as much praise as we should give C.J. Stroud, let's acknowledge that Baker did his job right? Like Mm -hmm. that was the Tampa Bay game. That was probably the best offensive showing they've had since early September and they couldn't get the job done.
0: Yeah. Rashad white coming alive is something that, um, yeah, we really haven't seen all year, getting the ball to not only Mike Evans, but Chris Godwin as well starting to get a lot more active in the places where he's good underneath getting over the middle and always you have Mike Evans over the top. That's, that's huge. And it was very encouraging to see Baker just kind of fire the ball around like that. He's earning himself an opportunity to remain a starter in this league. He's been doing yep. it all year. But CJ Stroud, man, that is one he looks like the most he is looks like one of the most polished passers I've seen as a rookie come into this league. Um he might not be having like he is having a great rookie season don't be wrong. He just broke the rookie, a single game passing record. Now, are there rookie seasons that could potentially, at the end of the year, could be better than his? Yes, obviously. But as just a pure passer, he is doing everything, everything that you want to see. He's dominating the line of scrimmage. He's moving safeties. He's always making the right read and he's pushing the ball down the field, but not into, not throwing himself into turnovers. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, he's he's very accurate. He's using his eyes to manipulate the second level of the defense, the third level of the defense. I mean, that that touchdown throw that he made does not happen. I mean, it's essentially a verticals play, right? And that does not happen if you don't use your eyes to hold off the inside vertical, which the middle safety is responsible for, right? You have to hold that in to have hopes of just, I mean, like a one-letter-in-the-end-zone width of space in the back of the end zone for Tank Dell to find that ball, and the timing was perfect. Anticipated it great. Used his eyes on his on his drop back. I mean, it's it's stuff that you don't see out of rookies really ever.
0: Stuff you don't see out of out of seasoned. Some something yeah. you don't see out of Daniel
1: Jones. Hey, something you don't really <laughs> see out of. I mean, definitely not out of Daniel <laughs> or Mac. But uh, I mean, like you could argue most of the time something you don't really see out of Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. Like he's the guy who throws himself into turn numbers because he's he's a gunslinger, but he's not overly. Disciplined with his eyes, and C.J. Stroud is
0: okay. Let's that's enough. Uh, that's enough. Week nine talk. We're into week yeah, ten here. Um, let's start off on Thursday night. We have the game of the year. The Chicago Bears are hosting the Carolina Panthers. The Bears are favored by three and a half. Uh, Justin Fields is, has a fifty-one percent chance of playing. Uh, the Bears covered last week. Uh, the Panthers did not. I'm going to take the Bears here minus three and a half, and I probably will come to regret that. But I don't see anything from this pan. I don't think the Panthers actually. I don't, the Panthers, the Bears own the Panthers pick, but I just don't think that the Panthers can win.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm honestly not sure how this game is going to go at all. I, I I think this is a complete toss up, and I think. The the reason why I'm going to take Carolina is because three and a half points, I think, is is too much for whoever wins this game. I, I don't really see each team being able to impose any kind of will offensively or defensively, but I think you probably have a low-scoring game, whether it's Tyson Bajan or Justin Fields. Uh, I, I honestly, I know that they're a little bit desperate for wins, but I really wouldn't rush Justin Fields back. On a on a Thursday night game against the Carolina Panthers, it's maybe a good way for it, like him to get right, um, but I don't really see that being the case. When you actually saw what two weeks ago this Carolina team was able to do to mm-hmm. CJ Stroud, right? Like I mean, we're giving CJ Stroud these incredible praises, and he lost. He's the only guy to have lost to this Carolina defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so either way, you're looking at an inexperienced or uh, not necessarily solidified quarterback situation in Chicago. I think Bryce Young is not going to wow anybody in on, on the bright stage i don't think this was the the flashy game that maybe the nfl anticipated in scheduling this game but i i don't really have too much justification for it i just feel like carolina has beaten a team with a young quarterback uh with in, in recent weeks as well as with a vulnerable defense and i i know what the chicago defense did to your raiders but that was just more of a defunct team i think than a than a team that's really rallying and just isn't capable. Um, So I'm going to I'm going to take Carolina. I don't have too much justification for it. I just don't have faith in either of these teams to really set marginal leads and and hold them.
0: Moving on here, we have the Germany game. The Indianapolis Colts favored by two are at the New England Patriots, but they're in Germany. So toss up either way for whoever the home team is. Um,
1: What do you think about this one? This was kind of hard for me to pick, and I, I just had to go into some stats for this one to um, to basically think, realize, or, or calculate who would handle the moment better. And the only thing that Indianapolis has been able to do well this year consistently is travel. They're a one and four home team. They're a three and one road team. The Patriots are a one and four everything team, right? So I I, I don't I don't really think that you're gonna see. Anything, I, I honestly, truth be told, I think this is going to be a good-ish game because both these teams are sort of in limbo. Uh, I just think that you'd probably see Jonathan Taylor get going against a depleted New England defense. Um, I bet Mac Jones probably has a decent day because this indie defense hasn't been all that great. Uh, but I think it, the reason why this is a one-point game is because it's a Gardner-Minshew toss-up game, and they've done well on the road. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. I'm going to say the travel is really just something they're, they've been good at and definitely better than what the Patriots have been at this year. So I'm going to take Indy.
0: I'm taking the Colts to fi- uh, to cover this one. I'm taking the Colts. I'd take the Colts by 10. <laughs> Minshew's going to Germany, baby. This is the international Minshew tour. Big shoe over in Frankfurt. He might just I mean, stay there and Oktoberfest it up.
1: I Yeah, he should, instead of uh, Lederhosen, he should just pull up to Oktoberfest and jorts and crocs and see if he can just get some big pints at him.
0: That's exact he could do that before or after this game and still beat Mac Jones. And that's what I'm going to stand on here. Mac Jones, you are terrible and I will never I will never in my career pick you. Um, I, listen, it's it's getting
1: hard. I mean, I think most people are off the Mac train by now and I really feel bad for him because I do not think it's his fault. I think that He's, he's got a right to be as frustrated as he is with the state of his offense. We talked about this a little bit earlier in the season, how you, it's just never a good thing to position your your rookie deal quarterback into his second season with no offensive coordinator. Because no matter what, you know that your his first three years, he'll have three separate coordinators. And I know you're a defensive-anchored team, but we know that under Belichick, it's not like the Patriots are star-studded on the offensive side of the ball anyway. They don't really have experience getting some studs as wideouts. And then you lose Kendrick Bourne to injury just to make matters worse. I, I actually see Mac trying to do the right things and get guys like Hunter Henry involved, but it's not translating to wins, right? Like getting Juju Smith involved, he doesn't make that catch to end the game. It turns into a pick, right? Like these are things that, are mesh points for a team for an offense that you're not going to see um, consistently happen from New England this year, and it'll probably be the, you know the end of Mac Jones in New England. But I do I do feel sorry for him because I think it's more of a product of his circumstance than anything.
0: Moving on here, got the Texans at the Bengals. Bengals favored by seven here. It's a big number. How do you feel about it?
1: I'm going to ride the hot hand, and this hot hand is CJ Stroud because there is another hot hand on the other side of the field in, in Joe Burrow. And I think they probably win this game. But it is flat-out disrespect to say that a C.J. Stroud team is going to lose by a touchdown or more. I, I, I don't think that we're going to see that. Uh, I, and again, I know that they did lose a couple weeks ago to Carolina, right? Like that was not a good road showing. And the Houston defense is the primary reason why I think that they're still very young, very nascent. But D'Amico Ryans, like we said, you know, he's, he's good at rallying his guys. And if Cedar this has a, has a, a competent day you probably expect them to stay close in this game. I think the the one thing that Cincinnati's done in games where they set the distance is uh, or or set themselves apart on the scoreboard is, is generate turnovers. And that's something CJ Stroud has not done much of this year. So I expect this to be kind of back and forth, uh, probably a really good game uh, as long as the Houston defense can just show up a little bit. And I, I think that seven points, is more than enough for C.J. Stroud to to cover against what's an opportunistic, but not really a statistically imposing Cincinnati defense.
0: I'm scared that this is a trap line and that the fix is already in the Bengals will cover seven, (laughs) but I'm going to take the Texans here. C.J. Stroud is, I think he'll just keep them in this game and they have the weapons as well. They have young weapons on offense and Yes, the Bengals defense is good because it's opportunistic. Um, it forces you into turnovers, but like we've said, like you just illustrated, CJ Stroud is he's not playing risk averse, but he's playing turnover averse, which um I could I, I could see potentially maybe as a blow up here. Um I don't think it'll affect him in the long run. I could see that, but I don't think it's going to happen. I'm taking the Texans plus seven moving on here. We have the new Orleans saints favored by two and a half at the Minnesota Vikings story history between these two franchises. Uh, It feels like they've played quite a few very, very good games in the past. Um, This one could be the same. We don't know. How do you feel about it?
1: Well, I, I I don't feel great. I was very in between. There's a couple of the games this week that I was so in between um, and, and justified that they have tight spreads, uh, but in an indoor environment i i i, I kind of anchor on the idea of how the saints should play offense and that their defense should be able to to get home on josh Hobbs uh, josh Dobbs excuse me um i know that he's He's got a little bit of a Cinderella story going to him, but let's remind ourselves too that, you know, he really went one and seven as a starter in in Arizona. So maybe he keeps the team afloat and gets some wins in there, which is a hot team right now. The Minnesota Vikings, they, they, they seem to keep winning, uh, but I'm going to take New Orleans. I, I, I'm i not totally confident in New Orleans. We both gave our critiques at Derek Carr, but they have started to get Alvin Kamara more consistently involved. Chris Olave finding the end zone last week was nice to see. Um, I just think that, the, the, they're a little bit more of a competent team right now, not to say that Minnesota is an incompetent team, but it's just tough to expect consistency on the offensive side of the ball uh, with with Josh Dobbs. On game day, it will have been there for, what is that, 12 days. Um, so I think that, you know, you could see against against he might just love playing nfc south teams you never know it is a home game i'm sure the crowd is going to love rooting for josh dobbs but it is an indoor game so kind of controlled environment Derek carr is a established veteran in this league alvin camaro is a stud um and and the new orleans States defense is is a, a formidable force something that's a little bit more proven than the atlanta falcons defense so i'm gonna i'm gonna take new orleans in the points
0: give me the vikings here I'm riding I Dobbs. It. I knew it. Um, I'm riding Dobbs. I I I didn't pick him last week and I this is a little get back for him because he deserves it. Also, it's just it's I think this game even if the Saints do win, I think it's going to be extremely tight. Um yeah. kind of the opposite of last week. Now because I said that the Saints are going to win by like 30, but um yeah, no, I just think that Josh Dobbs is going to prove that coaching does not matter in this league <laughs> and that you can <laughs> just, just come in go in there and just let her ride like that. <laughs> Josh Dobbs right? p- yeah. winning that game is a college student throwing in his paper that he wrote at 11 that needed to be turned in at 11.59. That's, that's what he did. Josh that's Dobbs time, right? showed up and got the job done, and I think he gets it done again here. Even if it doesn't translate to a win – I think that they'll be able to cover. Okay, moving on. Here we have the Packers at the Steelers. Steelers favored by three and a half. How you feeling here, Nick? Let me find it because I got to remember how I picked this game. Uh, Uh, I'll start off here then. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Steelers.
0: I'm going to pick the Packers instead. Um, Don't uh, all thrown off now. Yeah, I'm taking the Packers here plus three and a half. I think the Steelers win this game, but I think it's close. Um, I know I did just put. Jordan Love in the held tier, but I think they're going to give, give the ball here to some of their guys on the ground, get Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, uh supple amount of carries and just kind of be able to keep this one tight, and the Steelers, I don't have much confidence in their offense um, with Matt Cannon leading honest. the yeah. show.
1: I don't have confidence in either of these offenses, and yeah. I think the spread is, is a little bit beyond my comfort, but I'm still gonna ride with it with Pittsburgh and the points. And I to be honest, my my simple proxy was I looked at the Thursday night game that they had against Tennessee where they won by four. Right, because I think I honestly think that Tennessee and Green Bay are very similar teams. And now you give an extended rest to the Steelers. Listen, if Kenny Pickett's able to just string together anything similar to what that second half looked like uh, against Tennessee, and the defense is able to just be formidable against what is a young and inexperienced quarterback similar to what they did last week i i i just expect them to kind of set the tone a little bit more than green bay's defense will be able to set the tone um especially if, if pittsburgh's offense the only real good thing that we can say or two good things maybe it's like all right cool deontay johnson finally found the end zone that was nice the other part of that being it seems like they've started to strike a balance with how to utilize both Najee harris and uh oh my god uh Jalen Warren, Warren. Jalen Warren, yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, they, they're they starting to, to actually use the combination of the power back and stretch back perfectly, which is helping Kenny Pickett, I think, you know, get himself out of this bad tier potentially. Um, and, and whereas I don't think we're, I think last week's Green Bay game can kind of be thrown out the window because Brett Rippon is not a pro capable quarterback, they were up in that game the whole time without really doing much. Um, so I, I'm going to take Pittsburgh in the points. I'll, I'll caveat and say that I totally agree that three and a half is an uncomfortable leap for Pittsburgh, but they covered four with Tennessee, right? And I think it's a very similar proxy. So I'm going to I'm going to ride the home team here.
0: Moving on, we got the Titans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks are at home and they're favored by one and a half. How do you feel here, Nick? This was another insane toss up for me, and I I, I
1: think. Uh, <laughs> Again, it it totally came down to whether or not I believe that Baker was going to continue what he did last week, or if I expect this Tennessee team to um, sort of be anchoring on their defensive line. Which, because we know, you know, no Kevin Byard anymore in Tennessee, that that secondary is kind of vulnerable. So you could see Baker do his thing. However, against a, a good secondary a few weeks ago, we also saw. Will Levis do his thing, right? And it wasn't the same against Pittsburgh, but similarly, they're coming off some extended rest. I think this is a a similar type of toss-up game that we just saw between Tampa Bay and Houston. And I'm going to go with the AFC South team. I'm going to say Tennessee covers one and a half um, and a, a super, super back and forth. But the ultimate... Ultimate deciding factor for me is I do think that Will Levis will be able to do well against this Tampa Bay defense, but more importantly, that this Tennessee D-line might give Baker some trouble and at least will be much better against the run than Houston was, which ultimately is what kept Tampa Bay in the game last week was their ability to run the football and stretch the field. I don't think you do that as effectively against Tennessee, and uh, I think Will Levis, despite not a great game last week, um, is, is still kind of showing that he's capable. He's pro-capable. He's the real deal. So uh, I'm going to take Tennessee here as the road road dogs.
0: Give me the over and give me the bucks. <laughs> um, I, I am fully in on this game just being two quarterbacks who are just going to fire the ball down the field Love relentlessly. It. I'm yeah. hoping that that's the case. I'm hoping that this is the darling of the 1 o'clock window, um, that we're really not expecting it to be because – if you look at if you thought about this game as with Ryan Tannehill as the quarterback, I'm expecting the Bucks win this by like 30. I agree. Not, I agree. not by 30, but, you, but you get I, what I think I'm saying. I
1: think the spread would be different, and I think we'd both be I'd be with you with the Bucks for sure.
0: But Will Levitz has shown the willingness to throw the ball down the field and get it to DeAndre Hopkins, which I think will keep the Titans in this game. However, I don't think Baker is going to lose another one of these very close games. I just don't see it, especially with a vulnerable secondary in the tight with the Titans. Um, I'm expecting Mike Evans to have himself a day. He didn't get into the end zone last game. He did make a huge what was, that? Yeah. It was like a 56 yard catch where he's down at the like half inch line. Yeah. Um, I expect him to get into the end zone and have a monster day. Um, and I expect DeAndre it's gonna be a, it's gonna be an old wide receiver matchup here. Um with two oh, of the yeah. 2015 all pros. <laughs> yes, the Titans, the former Titans of the uh of the position, kind of on the back end of their careers, but still showing that they got some fight left in them and they're gonna just kind of tear it up. But I'm taking the Bucks here, minus one and a half. All right. Moving on, we have the Niners at the Jags. Um, this is a Actually, this is a very good game, the one o'clock window. Jags are the dogs by three, so the Niners favored by three. How do you yeah. feel about this?
1: I really do think that, obviously, Jacksonville is the hotter team, and it, it goes against usually my my ethos here and picking against a hotter team like that at home as against a team that we consider to be struggling. However, uh, I know too much about the San Francisco 49ers to consider them struggling for more than a week at a time. Um, and especially coming off the bye week, you know, they get extra rest. I know it's in Jacksonville, but you probably expect guys to have healed up. I don't know if we're going to get Debo Samuel back, but generally speaking, you expect Kyle Shanahan's offense to look a little bit cleaner than it has uh, in the last month or so. Uh, so I'm going to take San Francisco, even if they lose this game, I'm, I'm going to take them to cover three. Right. Like I I probably higher scoring than what we saw in this Browns game. But if if San Francisco loses this game, I bet it's a similar sort of tight situation where this is turnover dependent and and Trevor Lawrence has a day where Brock Purdy can't. Right. That that'll be a storyline that could come out of this game. But I don't I don't really see a scenario where the Niners defense doesn't rebound off the bye weeks in particular and, and Kyle Shanahan doesn't come up with a good game plan. So to to hedge my my inkling to to take the home favorites here. That is a good six and two. Football home dog. I'm going to, I'm going to, or home dog rather. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take, I'm going to take San Francisco on the points.
0: Yeah. I'm taking San Francisco on the points. Um, I, I want to pick, I want to believe in the Jags say, similar to how I want to believe in the lions, but I've just seen I'm going off of most of my life and that the Jags will jag and the lions will lie in. And the Niners needed this bye week more than it seemed, just yeah. about anyone um, to kind of get right. I don't know if we're going to see Debo. I hope we see Debo. Um, but that being said, I think that you you just can't really not pick the Niners off a rest. Yeah, um, Shanahan's way too good of a coach to spoil that, and. I hope that this is high scoring. I hope this is that this is a good football game. But I could see this going just Niners beat down and the Jags kind of scuttle here um, yeah. this, after a hot start. Um, moving on here, we have the Browns at the Ravens. The Ravens are favored by six. Ravens playing unbelievable football. Lamar Jackson's been able to rest uh, for parts of the last two fourth quarters that they've played, which – that is just ridiculous to think about um that being said i'm going to shock everyone here i'm taking the browns to cover plus six i think that that number is just too big for the browns defense and i believe the ravens will still win this game but i think the browns will be able to cover that number
1: yeah i and i'm fully aligned with you i think that uh the browns are also going to cover six points because i have too much respect for this browns defense and i think Uh, Although it's going to be a little bit of a shock factor going from the Arizona Cardinals offense to the Ravens offense. I still think that even if we look back a couple of years, right, if there's a Browns seem to really just play a level up when it comes to the other AFC North teams. Um, They know they circle them on the calendar, right, at least in the Kevin Stefanski era. uh, They've been they played really well against all three AFC North teams. I think Baltimore is really showing they might be the best team in the league right now, but I don't think that within their own division, they've separated enough distance yet, especially on the defensive side of the ball um, to, to really outpower Cleveland and, and win by six or more. Now I will say the one thing that could hurt this, and I'm going to be nervous about it. If, if it's super tight in the fourth quarter, is if Deshaun Watson does something bonehead related, right? Because we could see that. However, again, even in situations like last week, right? I, I, I remember last week's game where I, I, I think I had the Bears covering versus the Saints and Tyson Bajan did everything he possibly could to give the the Saints red zone possessions to just kick field goals and end the game. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. right? And part of that was because the Bears defense was showing up. I almost feel like if you flip that in terms of this game, if, if Deshaun Watson's really hurting himself here toward later in this game you expect baltimore to move the football but this cleveland defense is never gonna give up and and never gonna let you get out of a game uh so that's a long-winded way of saying i agree with you cleveland plus six makes sense to me
0: atlanta falcons favored by one and a half at the arizona cardinals how do you feel about this
1: i'm gonna take atlanta i just think continuity is important. And I don't think that Kyler Murray's, I mean, nobody comes off a serious injury and looks great. If he does, uh, you know, it's serious, serious head coaching time or consideration times in Atlanta, which I think we've, we've alluded to. Um, I think it would be exciting for Arizona fans to go out there and see Kyler again. I know uh, it's been frustrating the last couple of years um, since he's been hurt as well as even last year when he was here and not playing all that well. Uh, I just think that they will lose this game is essentially my my take on it. I don't think they're a good team, but I do think the offense will probably look like coherent and competent and they might be able to stick in it. That's why this game is such a tight spread, but I'm going to take Atlanta. I think they need a rebound after, after last week's debacle. Um, But it would, it would just be interesting if they lost back to back games to quarterbacks that were just getting football action with their teams for the first time that week. Right. And I don't, I don't see that happening. So I'm going to go Atlanta.
0: If the Falcons lose this game, they should leave Arthur Smith in Arizona. Or, better yet, when they're flying back to uh, Atlanta, push him out of the plane. Because okay. they should not lose this game. Um, scary. <laughs> they should not lose this game. And as someone who uh, is being bit by the lack of Bijan Robinson usage, um, especially in the red zone... I, I believe I speak for a lot a large contingent of both Falcons fans and Falcons adjacent fantasy football uh, owners that Arthur Smith is he just needs to go away he needs to go away or you just just be smart use your good players yeah use them. something better just use, them. just use them so that's all I'm saying that the Falcons are going to cover this one and a half. Um, but I could not have less confidence in a coach <laughs> than Arthur Smith. Now that Josh McDaniels is out of the league, I there is no one there is no one I trust less than Arthur Smith. And it takes a lot for me to trust him less than the guy that we're going to be talking about in just one second. So moving on here, we both picked the Falcons. We have the Detroit Lions favored by two and a half at the Los Angeles Chargers. How do you feel about this one?
1: I was in between on this one too, because I do believe that the hotter hand in this relationship, this game, is the Chargers. I don't think that matters, though. I think Detroit coming off a bye is exactly what they need. I think they're the better football team, they're the more cohesive football team. And I think that the easiest way to look at this game when it's less than a field goal spread is what coach are you taking? And the answer unequivocally is Dan Campbell, right? Like, I mean, if if anybody's going to coach themselves out of this game, it's going to be, uh, brandon staley and probably that's what it takes to lose games against good teams and tight spreads like this so just for the sake of not trying to risk taking a home dog with a coach that you don't believe in i'm going an to anchor on a team that's had a really good start to the season has some losses that they want to shake off and is coming off a bye and knows they have some work to do um, and can do so against what we've known to be despite the reputation of their defensive-minded head coach is a really weak and vulnerable pass defense uh, that has played weak passing competition the last few weeks. And that's part of why they've been able to salvage their record a little bit. So I'm going to say that Detroit takes this spread here.
0: Yeah, give me the Lions minus two and a half um, for the same reasons. I think these teams are very similar, um, at least structurally, in like their player, the, just the players that they have. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's coaching. And Dan Campbell rocks from top to bottom. He is just cool. He's not a nerd like Brandon Staley, um, which I always respect. Um, And he also just is kind of a psychopath. And I think that he is going to just out coach Brandon Staley here. And I think that the Lions are just a better football team at this point. Uh, The one thing that does scare me is Austin Eckler is starting to get going here for the Chargers. Um, But just another injury and the losing joshua palmer i don't know if they lost him last week the week before but uh herbert's kind of running out of weapons to throw to uh, hopefully this get allows quentin johnson to get going but they're really not even using him so it's just been keenan allen and donald parham for the most part yep. but we'll see we'll see if the charges can do something i'm not confident in it but i'm going to take the lions minus two and a half Moving on here, we have the Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. 16 and a half is the number that you heard that right. 16 and a half points for the Dallas Cowboys at home. Are you taking the Cowboys with that number?
1: Yeah, but the, the it's not even the point. I mean, the Cowboys beat the Giants by 40 when the Giants were healthy. I, I think this is more about making sure, like, this is, I mean, the, the spread in this game is so tough, obviously, because it's 16 and a half. I think you're, what you're really looking for if you are betting on the Cowboys in this situation is making sure that nobody gets hurt, right? And this is a very smoothly run game where you, you really control time of possession, you run the football, uh, which which could could limit the spread too, right? But from what we know about the Giants, I don't know who they'll be starting at quarterback. Is it, If it's going to be Tommy DeVito, wonderful for him. I don't think he wants to go up against Micah Parsons. Um, so I, I just think that, like 16 and a half just makes sense i think the cowboys are expecting to use this as a not really a get right game because they haven't been playing poorly but just a way to rebound um and the cowboys have blown out teams in almost all of their wins this year one of those being the giants in week one with a fully healthy daniel jones uh so i it's a weird spread to pick it's really just more about making sure that guys stay healthy um so i'm gonna uh, but i'm gonna take the cowboys in the points here
0: I'm doing it. All right. I'm, no taking no I'm taking the Giants. I'm taking the Giants. I'm taking the Giants to not only cover, but they could win this game because of one simple fact that no one wants to talk about. The Cowboys cannot beat Italian quarterbacks. Tommy DeVito is going to have the game of his life, a legacy game against this Dallas Cowboys defense. A not only cover this 16-and-a-half point spread, he's going to win the damn football game.
1: Okay. Listen, yeah. if that happens, I don't even, I, I don't even know if I can do this anymore because I won't—I don't know if I'll be able to bring myself to watch any more games. I, like, it's one thing if he covers, like, fine, you know, good for you. If they win this game, I'll—I'll I'll actually lose it. Like, you'll see—you'll see me just running circles around all the buildings behind me, just naked. I don't know. I—I I will be losing my mind. So, uh well, it should, maybe it'll be exciting, but I'll go as far as say that.
0: In just a Tommy DeVito jersey, if if they manage to win this, I will join you. I will also be running naked around the streets because with a Tommy, that, DeVito, <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Tommy DeVito jersey. Okay. I don't even know, what number does he wear? Like I mean, I 16, he... I think. I want to okay, say 16. I was going to say 15, so. It's
0: one of the, it's, it's, it's not a good number for, it's definitely it's, it's not a, a good it's, number. It's roughly the spread. Yeah, it's right. It's around, yeah, around the spread, spread adjacent number. Um, okay. Moving on here. Washington Commanders at the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, the Seahawks are favored by six and a half. I'm taking the Seahawks here.
1: I got to go with Washington, and it's not because I think they're going to win the game, it's because I think Seattle wins but plays close games.
0: Mm, especially against
1: especially against teams that are really similar proxies to them. Right. I don't I don't see these two teams as very different. I think that Gino's a much better quarterback than than Sam Howell. And I know Washington sort of offloaded some defensive talent, but the way that they're playing games this year, kind of being chippy, staying in games, and then other times imploding, it's pretty they're very reminiscent of each other. I think Seattle is the better team, don't get me wrong. And I think that they do win this game. But six and a half points is Listen, if Washington's going to lose by seven or less typically to Philadelphia, I think they can keep this close with, with Seattle at home. So uh, I think that Seattle does win the game. I think they have to win the game to show that they're viable in the NFC West or even in the NFC more broadly. Uh, but I, I do think this is a close game and one of those like red zone exciting ones that I think we'll look out for.
0: See, that's what scares me um, is that Washington Washington commanders can and will play these Good opponents, very tough and chippy. But also, they're flying all the way across the country. Yeah. Um, Could not, like, really could not be a further flight for them. Um, Especially, yeah, because they played in, they played in, uh, in Mass. They played at Foxborough this past week. So they're going as far as you could possibly go with exception to, like, maybe Miami. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a big, that's a big, it's a jump. Yep. Here. I and actually, I also, had a mistake there.
1: I thought this game was in Washington, but it's, it's a good factor to incorporate for sure.
0: And also I just don't trust the commanders on a week to week basis um, to be competent. And I think the Seahawks are kind of pissed off after getting yeah. what was supposed to be a, I'm, I'm for real here. This is going to be a tight game against one of the best teams in the league in the Baltimore Ravens to just get their teeth kicked in. Yep. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna bounce back here and kind of just beat up on a bad team. I could see this being close just because I have a little bit of faith in that Washington Commanders offense, mainly just Sam Howell's ability to throw himself into a game, but also he can throw himself right out. So that could happen. Um, the Seahawks defense has talent on it. So I think they'll cover six and a half. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's a good debate. I think I think it will probably be a good game, whether or not it winds up being Seattle sort of taking the reins. I do. I think, I think we both agree Seattle probably wins the game. It's yeah. just a matter of whether or not Washington starts clicking.
0: Moving on here, we have the Jets at the Raiders. Uh, this is a Sunday night game. Ew. Um, Aiden O'Connell looked good. Antonio Pierce, I'm going to say it, I like. I like as a coach. Yeah. Um, I think – He's what the Raiders need it's just a strong voice in the locker room, someone who people actually respect because it was a very apparent, not only for Raiders fans, but just realistically, everyone. I don't think there are many people on this planet who respect Josh McDaniels, yeah. Um, let alone football players. <laughs> so, that being said, I liked what I saw, and I think the Raiders are going to kind of continue this here, even with Aiden O'Connell, as sad as I am about my king, Jimmy Garoppolo, not playing. I think they cover one and a half here. How do you feel?
1: I agree with you, and it's really because I think that if there's one unit of this team that's going to keep the Raiders afloat, it's going to be Max Crosby starting things off on the defensive line and and just imposing his will a little bit. Um, and I just think that Zach Wilson fallen a little bit away from that string of games where... He, he felt more confident and comfortable. Um, and I, I do think it's probably a tight game. I think Zach Wilson actually probably plays well, but I, I think the Raiders ultimately wind up winning the game. Um, I think that there's been a lot of Sunday night and, and Monday night and Thursday night games for the Jets this year that they anticipated were going to be excellent on the schedule. And I think Zach Wilson's actually handled that pretty well, but we know that it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to perform all that well and, and win those games. And I think, like you said, I, you know what Antonio Pierce is doing in Vegas, is it's really just a breath of fresh air. And uh, well, Whereas with the Jets, I feel like we're still all kind of holding our breath because we know how good they can be, but it's just not, not all there. Um, so I'm going to take the Raiders too. There's not really much more to it. I think it could, the Jets could win this game. That's why this spread's so tight. I really just do, do believe that the trajectory of each team right now is is actually pointing in the, in the in a stronger in the right direction for the for the Raiders at least most recently. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Raiders.
0: Moving on here to the Monday night game, we have the Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills. How do you feel about this one, Nick?
1: Oh, you know where I'm going. You know, going exactly. the Broncos ride with the Broncos here.
0: We're going to end it with Broncos go the Broncos.
1: Country. We're ending <laughs> with the Broncos the way we always do. We're ending go Broncos. Now, here's the practical reason why. Okay. The Buffalo Bills don't impress me ever since they've lost two, if not three, mm-hmm. of their key impact defenders. Okay. And who has kind of impressed me despite it not leading to a ton of wins, although it has led to wins of late, really before the bye week is Russell Wilson. I think he's top five mm-hmm. in most passing categories, most notably touchdown-interception ratio and passer rating. And he, and I think he can – they might be trailing in this game because they seem to trail in every game, and their defense obviously isn't the same as what we all expected it could be, but it has played better really since that Miami debacle. Every week seems like the Denver defense does play better, and we saw what they were able to do really twice in three weeks to Patrick Mahomes. They he they limited Patrick Mahomes, who again has not been playing his best football either. But they did re- things in a two in a three week span. They did twice what the Miami Dolphins defense couldn't do once to Patrick Mahomes in Germany, right? And that was just make him look uncomfortable for four quarters straight. Uh, I think that you probably see something similar with Josh Allen and the Bills. I don't. I, I haven't been imp- impressed with their ability to really set the tone. I know they're a better team than Denver, so they, they might get ahead in this game, but. Denver, I've, I've I've ridden with Denver to cover a couple of times, and it's worked out for me. I'm going to keep doing it. I like the way Russell Wilson's playing. Uh, you know, coming out of the bye, they 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 seem to be a team that I, I feel like I can rely on a little bit. We'll see whether or not that that lasts going into this week. But um, you know, Buffalo might win this game, but I I don't think that their ability to to blow anybody out of the water has been has been established yet. So I'm I'm going to go with Denver.
0: I agree with you. I'm taking the Broncos here. Um, It's kind of weird to think about because last year the problem was that offense for the Broncos. It was Russell Wilson. It was a Russell Wilson centric problem this year. He has been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He is really, he's clicking with the wide receivers. Jerry Judy is kind of having a bit of a Renaissance here as well with Cortland Sutton, who has been a red zone monster. Um, So I really like what I've seen out of Russell Wilson. But at the beginning of the year, that defense just wasn't strong at all. Yep. Um, And now we're starting to see that defense is making some strides here. They've played very strong against some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think they're going to do that again against Josh Allen here, who is prone to mistakes. Also, this game is in Buffalo.
1: Yeah. Uh, We're in
0: the, we're in November. We're getting snow this weekend, or at least the North, the Northern North part is getting snow. Um, I don't trust Josh Allen in the snow. I don't trust the Bills in the snow, which is weird to say. But,
1: I mean, it's a fair take given – I mean, we still are, are have no real explanation as to why they lost that playoff game last year at home in the snow to Cincinnati, right? Like that really
0: – They said no it, they said if it wasn't snowing that they would have won, which is a terrible thing to say if you are a, a team that is say. playing in the snow, like on a regular basis. I trust the Broncos in the snow. I trust Russell Wilson to play in bad conditions. He played college in Wisconsin. Or Was it Wisconsin? It was. I know it was one of those. Why, uh, Josh Allen. Oh, no, no. no. Yeah. Russell, Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson was in Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then in Seattle, the as north as you can get. I understand it's a lot more rain than just snow there, but they they're not accustomed. They're they're accustomed to getting that. He well, he also play plays in that.
1: Denver now, and I mean he, he plays has, in Denver now.
0: Snowy conditions before the game last week yeah. or two weeks ago against Kansas City. It doesn't matter. Ah, I trust the Broncos here more than I trust Russell Wilson more than I trust Josh Allen. And despite Josh Allen being um, on the tier much higher, Russell Wilson, just, I think I know what I'm going to get out of Russell Wilson, at least this season. You, I have no clue what Josh Allen's going to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. At
0: At any point. point. So let's end this. Let's end this right. Uh, Broncos Country Let's Ride. Let's go, Broncos. Broncos. All right. I will see you guys next week, next uh, Thursday morning for week 11. But thanks for tuning in and go, Broncos.